to another episode of How's the Market, a podcast for first-time buyers and upgraders that gives you tips, tricks, and up-to-date real estate information from on the ground across Melbourne and Geelong. This podcast is brought to you by Tommy Buyers Agents. My name is Tristan Larkin, and with me, I have my co-host, Jonah Howard. How are you doing, mate? I'm doing very well, sir. How are you? Very well. Very well, indeed. It's got an interesting one today. So yeah. today, we're speaking about free property software to help you. So obviously, we utilize a lot of different software mm-hmm. in-house. Um, most of it's paid, but a lot of it's free as well. Yeah. So yeah, we're going to speak about the free stuff today because yeah, obviously some people don't want to fork out the money, but there's still a lot of information out there that's that's free. And it makes all the difference, right? Like I've I've always thought that the big differences between you know like good properties and bad properties and understanding and negotiating and understanding the price and everything is literally just information. So if you can get access to more information, it just puts you in so much of a better position to actually make a confident decision. Because a lot of people get like analysis paralysis because they don't know how to value something or they don't know if it's good or they don't know if it's bad. So this is the stuff that you need to be checking. Yeah, absolutely. So the first one is realestate.com. When people hear that, it's no, it's no secret software. Yeah. But we're just going to probably yeah tell you how to use it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So where you're entering your suburb or, where, or what city you're, you're looking to purchase and it says buy, rent, and then it says sold next to it. Mm-hmm. So using the sold tab there is really going to help you know how much property is worth. So a property is only worth what someone's willing to pay. So if you have a budget of 650000 and you don't know what you can get or which suburb you can get it in, type it, just type it in. Just, just type in, say, you're looking in Geelong, Greater Geelong. Uh, I've got a budget of 650000 It's going to show you what's been sold in that area. It's going to show you the last, what, 20 years. Mm-hmm. So just make sure that you put the last six months or even last 12 months as well. So that well, would, that would I, be the most up to date. If you've got a really, if you don't know what you're looking for, I recommend doing the last three months just to sort of see where yep. things are selling at. Because uh, you want, if if you're like, I want to be in Heighton in Geelong, and I've got 550, and I need three beds, mm. and like, let's ha- how many properties are sold in the last three months? And you bring it up the map, because there might be two or three on the market that are quoted five to 550 or something, mm. and you know you've got 600, and you're like, oh, okay, so there's a few. Type into the sold tab and see how many have sold in the last three months and you might find zero. Mm. And you might be like, okay, for this, this like maybe these properties are underquoted then. Mm. So I think, and it's so important, dude, and mm. the amount of people that I speak to that don't understand that, like the realestate.com sold filter um, and map view, yeah, is, view as well. is crazy. So the, the biggest tip for anyone that's about to buy, I think is just really create your brief and the easiest way to create your brief is using realestate.com, map view, sold tab, filter, last three or six months. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and knowing what a property is worth. If you found a property that you want to put an offering on and you don't know how much it's quoted, say, I don't know, 470 to 500, and you don't know how much it's worth, go look what's sold in the past three months, past mm-hmm. six months, um, and you, you'll be able to know, yeah, kind of what it's worth. And you can put that to the agent, say, there's this property that's sold around the corner for 444,000, it's basically the same. Um, that's what the property's worth. So that's yeah. what I'm gonna that's what I'm gonna offer. Yeah. Um I think that's yeah, another another really good thing as well. Um yeah, so the next one, domain.com and domain building profiles, Tristan? Yeah, so this is like one of the the honestly the most key pieces of software that I use day to day when analyzing properties. Now, whenever I'm sort of searching and I'm reviewing a property, I I use realestate.com. However, if it is in a complex um, or you know, even if it's a house, I use domain building profile and domain street profile. So if you are looking at a apartment and say it's unit one at 14 Smith Street, 
what you should do is just highlight the 14 Smith Street, search that on Google and type in domain building profile afterwards. And that will uh, pop up. Usually it'll be the first link. It'll be domain building profile for that specific complex. And what it's going to tell you is how many uh, units or properties are in the complex. So it'll say, you know, there's two other and 14 units. So, you know, there's 16, uh, you know, dwellings within that complex. It'll tell you the percentage of owner occupiers to renters. It will tell you the capital, the annualized capital growth of the most recent sales in the last few years. It'll tell you what the most recent sales were in the complex, what year and what they sold for. It will tell you what the most recent properties within that complex have rented for or list been listed for rent. And if I'm looking at a essentially block of units or apartments or whatever it is, that is the number one thing that I go to in terms of figuring out the value. The reason is, is because since it's all in the same development, you can most likely find something with the identical land size and an identical floor plan and an identical set of fixtures and fittings. It depends if it's been renovated or not how old it is, but that is the number one thing for estimating value. So if you go onto the domain building profile and you see that at the beginning of the year, six, seven, eight months ago, a unit sold, and it has the exact same land size, the exact same facade, the exact same floor plan, and it sold for $150,000 more than what the one is online. And you know that, you know, over the last eight months or whatever, the house prices have gone up by like 5%. So you say, all right, this one sold for that amount, plus, you know, market movement, this thing's probably worth X. That is the number one thing for analyzing and getting value on a property, 100%. I'm such a huge fan. Domain street profiles as well. So say you live on Smith Street, Camberwell, just type in Smith Street, Camberwell street profile and uh, by domain, and that will show you what houses on the street are houses, units, and apartments, and what the split is of all of those, plus what the um, percentage of owner occupiers to renters are on that specific street, and it will show you what the capital growth annualized is of some of the recent sales in, in that street crazy data Mm -hmm. like it's just such good information and you can see exactly what some of the properties on that street sold for and when and look through all their photos and their listings and their campaigns gives you such a good idea of the quality of the street and the value and you know is it the properties there desirable or not is it you know high percentage of tenants or is it owner occupiers just like and it's all free It's, it's some of the best information heaps of people don't know about it when I first saw it, saw it, I remember I'm like, this is a game changer. Mm-hmm. You know, so check it out. Try it on your own street where you're living. See what it comes up with. Absolutely. Yes. So the next one is SQM. I know I've spoken about this on TikTok and Instagram a few times, uh, but it's a really good website. So sqm.com. So it does have a paid section, mm. but there's a lot of free stuff as well. Yep. I think it's probably better perhaps for an investor or someone that's assessing kind of different different suburbs and which suburb is going to benefit them, I guess, in the long run, the best. So the list of free features and information it provides is auction results, uh, total number of property listings per suburb, average asking price per suburb, vacancy rates per suburb, rental yields rental yields per suburb, and the demographics as well. Mm. So that's a lot of information, um, all for free. That would, it would give you a really good understanding of kind of where that suburb is heading. And, and yeah, the demographics is, is really good because it's going to tell you, yeah, kind of, the rental demand, I guess, and, and you know, an occupied demand as well. So, yeah, I think SQM is is really really good. I use this all the time. Yep. Yeah, so do I. I think I think it's the best free information that you can get yep. out there. With it. honestly, what we look at 
SQM auction clearance rates over CoreLogic and Domain as well. I think uh, just their methodology is better. Um, so SQM yeah, auction clearance rates, they come out at like 5 p.m. every Tuesday or like 5 p.m. or earlier. And really good way to see how market's tracking. If you're actively looking in a market and maybe you're thinking you're going to need to go to auction in the next five to six months or something, you can see what the auction clearance rates have been for that specific suburb. You can see all of the properties that were listed for auction and see individually which ones were re-advertised for private treaty, which ones passed in, which ones sold. Mm-hmm. Great Absolutely. information. Yeah. So I think it's yeah, it's probably better for someone that's yeah assessing different suburbs mm-hmm. and, and assessing yeah where they want to buy um, and which suburb is probably the best rental yield or, or whatever. Yeah, I think SUM is probably really good for sure. Yep. All right, so the next one, uh, it's just a, a little tool, I guess, uh, walkscore.com. So it's going to tell you, uh, it's going to give you a score per suburb out of 100, uh, how easy and accessible things are by foot. Yep. So in Melbourne or any kind of city, obviously, yeah, people don't have cars. Some people don't have cars at all. Mm-hmm. I know when I moved to Melbourne, I sold my car. It's, like, it's just expensive. Got to pay for parking. Something I was peeved off about this morning. I wanted to pay for parking for three hours. It was $80 mm-hmm. for three hours parking. So yes, walk score is, is very important for sure. Um, how accessible everything is by foot is, is super important. So you just type in your suburb, it's gonna tell you tell you a, uh, a score out of 100 and how accessible everything is is by foot. Yeah, yep. yeah, it's, it's really good information. It just like shows you, you know, what, what sort of public transport's available as well. And you know, if it says if the suburb is like a suburb that um, is easily walkable or it's something that you need a car to survive on, uh, yeah, so really a lot, a lot really in a lot in Geelong have very poor scores because yep. it's the public transport. But if you look in Melbourne, like some of them. Yeah, if you're on a tram line or yep. whatever it is. Yep. Um, I think most suburbs in Melbourne are usually really good. Like, yeah. I think. Further, the further out you get, it's probably worse. Yeah, you, put, you probably have a really good idea just if you know the suburb about what the walk score is. Um, yeah, but it's still yeah some useful information, I think, for sure. Yep, I'd check that out for sure. Yep. Okay, so the next one is the Australian Bureau of Statistics. So it's great for yeah further data on a suburb or a city's demographics. Mm-hmm. It's probably more again, yeah more suburb kind of specific. So it's going to tell you the unemployment rates, uh, demographics, and kind of basically any data related to people. So mm. more men, more women, more families, more single parents, any kind of yeah any data like that. That's all free and accurate, completely accurate, taken from the national census, yep. which is done. I'm not sure how often that's done. Every few years. Four years? Every four years. Yeah, yeah. every four years. But yep. yeah, so the last one was in 2021. Um, most of that data is out now, mm-hmm. which is really good. So yeah, if you're if you're someone that's relocating or you're trying to you know pick out a, a new suburb for the first time, you're, yep. you're looking in an area that you're not particularly familiar with, but it's close to where you work or, or whatever it is. And there's like, you know, maybe it's very common. You're creating your brief and you're looking at three to five different suburbs have a look at some of the, the data, um, the council rates. It'll also also show you stuff like uh, forecast population growth. Yep, and, big one. Um, yeah, just like the sort of people that are living in the area. So it might help you make your decision better or not, uh, but yeah, really good information. Rate, unemployment rate's a big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if there's a lot of dial budgets, probably, yep. yeah, it's not gonna be as in demand, that area. Yeah, for sure. absolutely. All right, so next one, Statement of Information, Tristan? Yeah, so the Statement of Information is a really handy tool and it will give you a lot of information. A lot of people don't really look at it or they don't look at it properly or they don't know that it exists. So what's quite common, 
uh, and it's very typical in, in Victoria, especially in the inner suburbs that are auction markets. You click on a property and it says the price guide is contact agent. So if you click on the contact agent button, it'll come up with statement of information. Now, in Victoria, it's illegal not to show a price. So some people think that like, oh, you know, it doesn't show the price. I hate it. I never know what things are going to go for. It does actually show the price. And then you just need to click into that document, which... Um, you know, if you've been looking at properties for a while, I'm sure you know, but a lot of the beginners did not know that. Uh, so make sure that you go into the statement of information. It gives you a price guide. Though the statement of information, you need to understand how it works. So firstly, there's two options for agents. They can either display a single price for the property or they can do a range. If they are doing the range on a property, it cannot be with more than 10%. So if the bottom of the range is 600,000, the top of the range must be 660,000. Can be less than that, but the maximum uh, sort of you know uh, range that you can display is 10%. Mm-hmm. And that needs to be made up from either, it either needs to be a single price or it can be a range and it has to be based on three comparable properties that have sold within a two kilometer radius within the last six months and they need to be listed down below. Mm-hmm. So very, very useful and important information, especially when you're first looking at a property. So say, you know, something pops up, you quickly glance through the photos, you're like, yeah, this looks really good. I'd love to come and check this out. What's the price guide? Check on, Click on the statement of information and then they'll have three properties listed for sale. Uh, no, three properties that have sold within two kilometers within the last six months. Just highlight those, open them up in separate tabs, look at the sales campaigns of them and it will take you a minute and you can be like, okay, this one sold for slightly above the range, this one sold for slightly below the range and just open them up on a different tab and flick through the photos and look at the floor plan and look at the land size and compare that to the property that you're looking at and that gives you a very quick understanding of if the agents have underquoted the property or if it is actually a reasonable quote. Mm-hmm. So if you open up one of the properties in the statement of information and the one that you're looking at is a three-bed, two-bath on 500 meters squared that was built five years ago. And the one that they've got that's sold is a two-bed, one-bath on 700 meters squared, so much larger land, but it's a knockdown build, like knockdown property. It's like, all right, this is just useless. Like, mm-hmm. it's completely useless. There's the agent's doing something here. Like, you know, maybe this isn't the best property. You go to the next one. It is also, like, it's the exact same bedroom bathroom car configuration and you're like okay this one's also built in the same year and you know it's got a similar level of finishes this one's probably a good comp so just look at actually with apples yeah it's a, the biggest tip honestly so just looking through the statement of information and actually analyzing the properties is very important in the media so this one was an interesting one so it's melbourne house affordability 2025 first home buyers given ominous 14 month deadline now this is <laughs> it's that conflicting to what we spoke about before <laughs> i know so uh. i mean like last week's episode we would have talked about how the um uh what was the title of it it was essentially saying that the exact opposite yeah, yeah the confidence was the highest <laughs> uh and uh nab had come out and said that it was like a 14.9% prediction over the next two years, right? So n- now we jumped onto news.com.au. 
So, I, didn't I say that? I <laughs> said exact, news.com will say the exact opposite. <laughs> yeah. So, they're... Yeah. But, it's, well, it's really interesting, actually. So, they've just, t- they've just taken this as a clickbait headline. So, let's look into it a little bit more. So, essentially, it's Melbourne housing affordability. First home buyers give an ominous 14-month deadline. So, what they're trying to do is they're just trying to create a bit of fear, which the news love to do, yep. saying that you're never going to be able to buy and you're never going to be able to money. afford. <laughs> But it's based on one of the most quoted uh, papers that have come out, research papers based on the property market recently, which is from KPMG. We've spoken about it a few times in in the recent weeks. But what they've done is they've taken this one snippet from the KPMG um, article and said, it's the end of the world for first home buyers, but why? So what they're saying is that within the next two years, most of the suburbs in the Melbourne metropolitan zone are going to be classed as unaffordable for first home buyers. So they've said That's probably fair. It's it's not too far off yeah. to be honest. So they've said the consultancy firm KPMG property price forecast shows Melbourne median house price could surpass $1 million by June 2025 to hit $1,024,495 is their prediction. So applied to suburban prop track data, the forecast price hike will leave just Melton, Melton South, South in Coolaroo with median house prices below the state government's current $600,000 cap for waiving stamp duty costs. So Victoria's ex- most expansive program to help young buyers. So essentially what they're saying is that in the, within the next two years, the the biggest saving for first-home buyers being the stamp duty concession is going to be completely irrelevant because no one's going to be able to buy anything under the concession. Mm-hmm. Now, they could buy an apartment or a unit. Yep. Yep, um, yep they could. They must listen to this podcast to know which unit to buy, though. Yeah, yes. yeah, that's it. Not so, the plan. But the the interesting thing is, I, I reckon they're just going to have to change it. To be honest, they're going to have yep. to increase the stamp Absolutely. duty um, waiver. So it's what they've done in uh, New South Wales, I believe. I'm going to I'm going to get this wrong, but I'm pretty sure they've increased it to I think it's eight hundred thousand dollars, mm. whereas we're at six hundred thousand dollars. We're we're much below. Mm. I was chatting with the broker um, this year, and he was buying slightly above. The, I think he was he ended up buying for seven hundred and forty, so he missed most of the stamp duty waiver, and he was buying in June, and he's like, really, he was like, maybe I should wait another month because surely the government has to increase it, and he didn't end up waiting the month. He's like, he found the property and he bought, and uh, lucky for him it, they didn't increase it because he would have been devastated because it's forty grand. Yeah, yeah. So. But I mean, surely it's going to have to increase sometime soon. Like they just can't leave it at the six hundred thousand dollar limit for first home buyers. Yeah. They're not going to be able to buy anything. I mean, six hundred thousand is fine for Geelong and probably anywhere that's not Melbourne. But yeah, if you're in Melbourne, mm. you're really going to struggle there. Yeah, you're yeah. only going to be able to buy a unit. Let's be honest. Yeah. So what, what this article says: less than ten percent of suburbs will be accessible for first time buyers under the current seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars threshold. Yeah, and th- there's nothing wrong with units as well. Correct. They're harder probably to calculate which is going to be a better asset um but yeah if you, if you do your, do your research and it allows you to get into the market at a lower price then you should absolutely do it for mm. sure yep yep absolutely so i wanted to just read another quote here so mortgage choice broker david thurman who's a absolute legend who uh you know we've done a fair bit of work with from mortgage choice and berwick he's uh quoted in this article to say that um, to afford a deposit for a $600,000 home, buyers would need an income of at least seventy-five dollars to $80,000 a year. And that's assuming you have no children, are single, and don't have any debts. So, you know... That's no hex debt as well, guys. That's no hex debt as well. Yep. So that's no car loan, no hex debt, no debt at all, uh, no children, nothing else. So 
I don't believe that there's a lot of people that are perfectly in that situation. But yeah. if you do need any help, you should go have a chat with David from Mortgage Choice Barrick. He's a really great guy and he knows what he's talking about. So that's a that's it for another another episode. So thanks everyone for tuning in. Make sure to check out www.tommy.com.au to get access to our House the Market blog and join the mailing list. And we shall see you again in next week's episode. Jonah, where can they follow you? Yes, follow me, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, uh, Jonah underscore buyer's agent. Simple. And follow me on LinkedIn, Tristan Larkin. And until next week's episode, we shall see you then. See you, guys. See you everyone.